At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. Gate for July 5th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find our podcast in the Voices of Wrestling podcast feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joining alongside, as always, Case Lowe. In case we had a little bit of a summer break here, but it's good to be back recording with you. How was your holiday weekend now in your new apartment? Yeah, I'm. look, I'm stoked that we're recording again. We took a week off because I was moving. Well, it'll basically be two weeks by the time most people hear this. I moved two weeks ago. I didn't have Wi-Fi in my new apartment for four days. That, of course, really made my job where I do digital online stuff for part of my job very, very difficult. I did at one point go to the public library to do some work. There was a man who was masturbating next to me. That by itself didn't freak me out. I live in the big city. Get used to it, kid. You know, it's tough out there. As someone uh, who has worked in in places with an affiliate of libraries before, it just happens a lot. Like so, so this this is my logic. I see this man start doing this, and I'm not weirded out by that. I'm not condoning it, but I'm also it's part it's part of life, kids. Uh, I was very thrown off by the fact that he did pull up pornography on his library computer. And I did not recognize the website in which he was using, and that was my gulp. I need to get out of here a moment because this seems like it's going to get worse before it gets better. I looked around. I saw there was a male employee there. I said, this is no longer my problem. I have satisfied my corporate duties for today. I am leaving before I see anything else. And I, and I left, but luckily, uh, although we missed an episode last week or missed a week, rather, uh, I have Wi-Fi in my apartment. I have an in-unit 
uh, in-window air conditioner in my bedroom, which has been delightful as it did feel like 110 degrees in Chicago today. I largely just took a week off from the entire world of wrestling, even Drangate. I didn't really pay attention to. And then this past weekend, I sat down on my couch on July 2nd and I watched hours of wrestling, non-Dragon Gate stuff, which I haven't done in so long. I watched some DDT. I watched some New Japan. I watched a bunch of Will Ospreay indie matches that were phenomenal. Will Ospreay versus Titus uh, Titus Alexander. If you have not seen it, go see it. It's on YouTube. I watched a bunch of stuff that got me fired up. And then I remembered, oh, wait a minute, Drangate has got a Kobe Sambo Hall show coming up. They've got a bunch of YouTube uploads I need to catch up on. They've got a director's cut of an Open the Triangle Gate Championship match that I need to watch. And we're within a month of Kobe World and Ultimo Dragon's 35th anniversary. And I got fired up again. I am stoked to be here. Uh, you know, 4th of July is, it's, it's fine. Hey, yeah, not, not a lot to celebrate right now in America, but Mike, what about you? I, I, the, the last time I heard your voice was not on this show. You were doing the voices wrestling, Patreon instant reaction show for forbidden door, which was a phenomenal show. And I'm glad you let the captain rich crate into your, into your compound, but I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you? You know, I've been good. I've been, it, it was something that also coinciding in our break was my birthday this last weekend so that was really kind of fun and yeah uh, can we talk can we talk about the amazing birthday gift that you received or is that off limits uh no no uh my, my lady <laughs> <laughs> mike got real nervous for a second he's gonna talk about his personal life <laughs> yeah no uh um my lady friend got me a personalized spears of Asian sign that will be on stream yeah that's as much as i'm willing to go into it it's okay. really cool all right hey, well yeah. hey, and people people understand the story i asked you answered we're moving on to the next topic how else was your break <laughs> dude it was really kind of cool uh i mean it was not cool outside it, i've been smothered by the hot damp blanket for the last ever but uh got to break out the grill for the first time in a while this weekend so that was very fun uh yeah rich came and we watched uh forbidden door and taking rich to cookout was a whole it's a whole lot of fun when i get to take people to just like carolina regional stuff when they come to town so going to a cookout that case i i'm an evangelist for this place to begin with but being able to do that is such a delight especially because this is the 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 real uh crockett territory heads will know this i actually have a cookout that is only one lane and has an a dine-in facility it actually has tables you can eat in it has a lobby and that's an experience so taking the captain to that was uh was fun and then you yeah, had the show with joe and rich was great but yeah man i've kind of been like mentally preparing myself for how crazy this next month is going to be for dragon gate i mean it, it, it's something where i don't want to say it creeped up on us but we're less than four weeks away from the kobe world cannon hall weekend with uh ultimo's 35th anniversary show we have our first title match for the for that show and then as well the uh, kobe world announcing names all the time it's it's july it's a big month for dragon gate and it's kind of a nice way to kind of get ourselves back into it this week yeah i I don't know about you we talked right before we went on the air i made sure that you watched the Open the Triangle Gate Championship match between Natural Vibes and Paros Del Mall de Hapon 
on June 26th. Chronologically, it makes sense to start there. It also makes sense to start there because I am so, uh, dare I say, jazzed about this match that I just watched. Can we please talk about this before we get into our Kobe review and some excursion talk? Yeah, let's get right into it. I, I, I'm a big fan of doing things chronologically, to be quite honest. Uh, like, much, much better than just haphazard just bouncing around here like and, and i think it's really worth giving this match the highlight it deserves this is from katsukabe on june 26 this case said this is up on the dragon gate network as a director's commentary just to be clear about this but just because they've done so much stuff on youtube over the last four months and they're uploading some of this this constantly there this is like how it was last year with the director's commentary stuff it was Perus del mal de Hapon of eta kataro suzuki and nasao rongai defending the open the triangle gate championship against the natural vibes team of kz strong machine j in ut it was kataro suzuki getting the win on ut with the blue destiny and case let's just like get right into this and have real controversial takes in the within the first 10 minutes nasawa might be a genius war dude i it's unbelievable it, it i don't like that we're in a position where we are the drangate guys we're the drangate podcast people know that we're going to enjoy this product more than most and it's a tough balance especially when drangate which you know over the past year and a half two years has been on to the degree that it has it is tough to come on here and not sound like cheerleaders at times because that's never the impression that I want to give. I, I talk at length about how much I hate 2017 and 2018 and, and booking parts of this company that don't always click with me. I feel like I'm a very fair man, but I am put in a position in the summer of 2022 where I am talking about the title picture in Dragon Gate, and I am talking about what an effective world champion Kai has been, and what a phenomenal undercard presence, both in the ring and on the microphone, that Nozawa Wrong Guy has been. And if you're parachuting into this podcast, and you know even just a little bit about 21st century Japanese wrestling, that sounds absurd, but that's the reality that we're living in. And it's something that I, I would argue that in 2022, we are seeing the after effects of great booking in 2020 about this. Like, this is a company that was able to recognize in its rookies capability far beyond uh, the, the capability that other promotions would put in them. When you look at RED, when you look at SB Kento, when you look at Madoka Kakuda. So the idea that, that this company is able to take presence like Kai and like Nasawa wrong guy be like, all right, you understand this one part of wrestling really well, Nasawa. You understand how to get a crowd heated up. And just getting him in a vein that lets him do that, it, it's phenomenal to see. And you had like the perfect partner with him with this. And UT, like this entire match, it's 16 minutes long. And I would say a good solid eight minutes straight is UT selling. And it's phenomenal stuff. Nozawa's great. Katara Suzuki is great. UT is great in his role. But for me, this was the check cashing, the money coming in, and the swan dive into my pool of cash with my strong machine J stock. I said four or five months ago, after being maybe his harshest critic in the small wrestling media that covers this company, maybe his harshest critic for about two years, I said four or five months ago, I said, you know what? 
I'm seeing something with Strong Machine J. This is a guy whose gears are turning. His confidence is there. He's wrestling like a different human. And this was the first time that we saw him in a big featured spot in a big match built around him away from the machine 1.0 persona. This was him and natural vibes, him getting his mask stripped, and then him making this hot tag and obliterating Peros and then having this great closing stretch uh, with all the guys there. This was what I've been waiting for from Strong Machine J. This was the thing that a year ago I didn't know if he had in him or not. This was... If this is his ceiling, then fantastic job. Well done. I'll take this. I hope he can do it again. I hope he can replicate this. I loved his performance as this credible yet plucky baby face that was tough, but not tough enough to specifically deal with the weapons that Peros throws at you. This was such a phenomenal performance from Strong Machine J. KZ was great. UT was great. But on this night leading natural vibes, it was Strong Machine J. Yeah, and it's something, Case, that, like, you're cashing in here, and it's something that I, I'm surprised. I hope you're not getting fully out right now. I would still hold on to to a good portion of it because the performance here from Strong Machine J wasn't just, like, a great tag performance. It just was something where, like, you have the mask grip and his hair flopping out of it as he's firing up. And you, you know how a couple weeks ago I was like, I don't know if he should really be sticking with like the singlet and like the mass type and they, they might shake it up here well he's already had this first mask ripped he was not on the kobe show who's to say on thursday that he's going to show up and in, in cork and with like a whole new outfit you know like like the true strong machine j going forward look but no it, this was a real star making performance in strong machine j and it was something that that shows him kind of realizing the opportunity he had and how hot it was when he revealed himself being the breakdancing robot basically like it's something that's like all right now we we're seeing the these performances and it's something that it, it it's not necessarily something where i'm ready i'm ready to like rewrite where like my projection is of him where, like where my thought is but i'm getting more open to the possibility that all this potential that i heard of and, and all this oh Folks love this guy here. We're starting to see it on display here, and it really was the star performance in Katsukabe. And I'm comfortable with projecting him as being this sort of guy. You have to remember, in his career, three years deep in his career, he's had eight singles matches. They are very clearly protecting him in a way that they haven't protected other guys. He had the very awkward, very disappointing 20-minute time limit draw with Ben K in December of 2019. And we talked to people in the building at that show who were like, yeah, that just, that wasn't what anybody was hoping for. They were really hoping that was going to kind of be a springboard for Strong Machine J and a nice confidence builder for Ben K right before that big match against Doi. And it, it just wasn't that. And then he had, you know, a, a, an empty arena match against HF for Camgate 2020. And then over the last six months, he's had these six singles matches. You know, he had one with Hayakawa. He went to Ryuku Dragon Pro and had one with Yoshida and one with Hibiscus Me. He had a Ho-Ho Loon singles match earlier this year at, at Kyoto KBS Hall. And then he had the La Estrella and the Shun Skywalker matches in this year's King of Gate. And I thought both of those matches were a lot of fun. I have yet to see from that very small sample size anything that makes me go credible singles main eventer in his future, but he doesn't need to be that guy. He needs to be 
this uh, triangle gate leading flag waving of a beloved babyface unit sort of wrestler. And that's what he was in this match. If his ceiling is triangle gate guy, twin gate guy on his best day. Great. I will take that every time because that's a very, very valuable position on this roster. He doesn't need to be a dream gate contender. If he is this good in this role. I just keep on remembering uh, how, uh, for a period when he was injured and the, and was in rehab, how constantly, if you follow the uh, Japanese Twitter account, him doing media appearances, him doing this and that. It, it, it's not that I think that the company like sees him like as a with that top line potential. It's something that it's like this is a guy who, who clearly has a charisma and skills that is going to be needed in the company, and that's going to help him further define this role. You know, and it's something where like the twin and triangle thing, like. He has some size on him too, so he adds a little bit of variety to these future pairings that I think projects pretty well for him. I love it. I love the work that he's doing, and then to bring this conversation full circle, I continue to love the work that Nozawa's doing, and I've talked about it since last November when he came in and he and Ata defended the GAC Junior Belts against Jason Lee and Coach Minora, and I said, you know, technically Nozawa wasn't great in that match. He didn't do anything that blew me away, but his presence in this pretty boy heavy era of Dragon Gate, I think even in the context of the, you know, 1999, I'm, well, I'm as old as Dragon Gate. I'm 23 years old. In the 23 years of the Dragon system, this feels like an especially pretty era with Kota Minora and Jason Lee and UT and Casey and all these very good looking guys. Nozawa's work really stood out as being different and being effective and having some stick, I kept on thinking about that match. I kept on thinking about what Nozawa was doing, and he popped back up at Dead or Alive, and I thought he was a lot of fun there. I've enjoyed all of the work that he's done with Minorita. I love this story they're telling uh, with the Triangle Gate belts. Let me ask you this. Instead of being 100% accurate about what they're doing with the Triangle Gate belts, I am now only 99% accurate, as this was the first successful Triangle Gate defense of the year, it came after the belts bounced around from Peros to the Stinger trio of Seki Yoshioka, Yoshinari Ogawa, and Yuya Susumu. And then those belts bounced to Atsushi Kitoge, Daisuke Harada, and Yohei before finding themselves back on Peros del Mall de Hapon. Do you make anything of this first successful defense of the Triangle Gate belts, or do you still think this is just another way to get us to Kobe World where M3K is going to take these titles? I think that... I still think the end goal is there. I think this is something in that they've shown a propensity over the last 18 months to be willing to find a show and be like, hey, well, let's burn a title match here, especially one that's not in doubt. Like, let's do like a hometown SB Kento Bravegate match. Let's say let's have someone in their hometown challenge Daya for the Bravegate as well. So like there's been a propensity to do this. Now we're starting to see the twin and triangle kind of do this as well so i just kind of look at it as like hey that they found a a good place to do the defense here and it, it's something where paros were i always felt like paros were going to get the belts back and be the team dropping them to m3k to begin with so it's like all right we're 25 days out from when they're probably the belts are going to be situated for the near future so might as well i mean especially when you look at how their tv schedule is and what, what all they have to get done you might as well do this now do you think this was a nozawa power play 
with him in the booking room going, no, brother, we're going over. Natural vibes going over. Not going to work for me. Oh, I think that he entirely basically held up Ginky Horiguchi the entire time. The entire time going, listen here, brother. Like there's a lot of brothers and, you you know, let me check to see what what Takagi has got to say about this. You know, like a lot of that kind of posturing. You know, what, what was it that Loki told Jigsaw when they wrestled and evolved? Like, um, you are not. You are not a world class striker. You don't belong in the same ring as me or something. I forget the exact quote, but Loki was basically like Jigsaw. I don't buy your <laughs> kicks enough to wrestle you. And I'm sure does. I looked through. I was like, I don't know about this UT guy. I don't know if he's legit or not. I don't, I don't know if people are going to buy him beating me. And. Uh- the insane thing about this case is that we've been talking about this match for like the last 10 minutes. The one name who we have not brought up at all, and there's really nothing to talk about him in this match, but the one name that we've not brought up at all was KZ. In case, when was the last time that like KZ was like the sixth person in a Triangle Gate title match? It's amazing to think because, you know, with Natural Vibes 1.0, the entire unit was built around him being the star of Triangle Gate matches. And even though his profile has been raised in the second incarnation of the unit and he's more of a main event singles guy now, it's Casey. And with all due respect to his partners, he's teaming with Strong Machine J and UT. And they took the ball and they ran with it. And KZ, I mean, God, for the first time, think about all the hard work that he's been doing since he left Mad Blanky, we have to go back that far because early 2015 is that Brave Gate match with Tozawa, which was the real turning point in his career. And ever since then, he has been the workhorse of Dragon Gate. He has been the guy, he's been the Christian Cage outworking everyone. And this was maybe the first time since 2015 that you can point to a trios match that KZ was in, and he was the sixth guy in a six-person match. That's incredible to think about. Yeah, it's just something that I just can't remember the last time that it happened. Like, it might actually be seven years. It might have been right as he defected to to die hearts. Like, it might actually be that. But I, I went four and a quarter stars on this case. This was just an absolute delight, and it was something that, We'll get into Kobe, but Kobe had good stuff on there, but nothing with that that resonated with me as much as this Triangle Gate match. I'm at four and a quarter as well. Easily a spreadsheet match, a ton of fun. It is on the Dragon Gate Network under the Director's Cut tab. And I will make sure, even though Mike uploads it, I'm going to tell him now to throw a link in the description in case people can't find it. But it is on the Dragon Gate Network in the Director's Cut section highly highly recommend it support for open the voice gate this week's brought to you by hellofresh with hellofresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep skip trips to the grocery store and count on hellofresh to make home cooking easy fun and affordable that's why it's america's number one meal kit in case we're right now in the heart of uh, of your beach life summer and let me tell you there's some stuff in this hellofresh menu that that they're shipping out this week that I think would suit you just fine for your, your big dream on Lake Michigan. Oh, what you think I'm not going to clean up on this sweet chili pork and cabbage stir fry. You don't know me. 
if you don't think that's right up my alley. Same with the Melty Monterey Jack Burgers. Same with the Steakhouse-style pork chops. These are world-class meals, and they're coming to your door. Even an idiot like me could fix them, and that is the greatest thing I can say about any sort of meal prep uh, 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 company, is that they're going to put it in a box, they're going to ship it to you, they're going to give you dummy-proof instructions, and then you're going to go, oh, wait, did I eat out last night? No, I just had a world-class meal that I prepared myself. And you can go into the next day feeling proud of yourself because you did something, you made something, and it tasted great. And it's all thanks to our friends at HelloFresh. And, and one of the great things about HelloFresh is the fact that you could diversify the menu of seasonal options such as salmon, limon, and pasta primavera. I mean, it's hot, like, pretty much, like, in, unless you are living, like, in Maine, it is a scorcher out there and HelloFresh is going to make sure you're going to be eating filling, but you know, not heavy meals right now. Like the last thing you really want to be eating is like a deep casserole right now. And let me tell you, looking at HelloFresh's menu for the sweet case, do you see a single casserole here? No, no casserole. Yeah, no, this is good stuff. You're going to want to get in on this HelloFresh promo code. Yeah, so the way that you do this is you go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and you use the promo code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That is HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and promo code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, Case. So we did have a return to the ring and on into the network this week it, it, it's been a little bit of time off since the okinawa trip but they were back in the friendly confines on the third this will be up on the network until the 10th and before we go go down the card case just just off the off the bat how was it kind of like getting yourself back into the groove of things with the show because this was not this has not felt like recent vintage kobe sambo hall show I thought it was an okay show. I think I liked the card on paper a little bit more than I liked an execution. There's definitely a version of this show that hits a little bit harder than this one did. But I, th I thought this was an okay show. There, there was some stuff that I really liked, and there was one match that left me with a lot of questions. Yeah, so uh, getting into it, Case, I only got the name of the first uh, future kid here on this i takuma and nishimura was wearing black i did not get the name of the kid in green i wasn't able to find it but we had a future match opening up the show did you have any big takeaways from the future match just that i continue to think this format is very entertaining and i look forward to seeing these kids debut for real yeah i i wish i knew whose green's name was it's just the way they do this sometimes hey you're, you're relying on others to find out the names unless you're you have a really keen ear the, the the guy who was wearing green had a little bit of prick to him. That was like the only thing different that happened in this five minute period of a future match. And it was nice to see it. Agreed. And then we had the official opener. This is up on YouTube into perpetuity. It was the full M3K Mochizuki Jr. is back from his back injury. So Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Yazushi Kanda, and Mochizuki Jr. Versus this collection of guys, Ginki Horiguchi, Takashi Yoshida, Punch Tomonaga, and Konamao Ichikawa. And it was Junior getting the win via a double twister on Punch Tomonaga. He's actually doing the work now. He's actually contributing to the to, to the finishing stretch and actually doing a little bit of effort. It's not, it's not just the sports that had throwing his son's limp carcass on top of someone. You know, we talk a lot about 
when it comes to the younger wrestlers in Dragon Gate, how grueling of a training process this is and how polished these guys come uh, when they debut far more than any other Japanese wrestling promotion. But Mochizuki Jr. got to experience the true test of a Dragon Gate wrestler in this match. What spots can you do with Konamama Ichikawa? And I am pleased to announce that Mochizuki Jr. passed with flying colors. You know, I was a little disappointed that we didn't suddenly then get uh, Ichikawa posting a photo with a infant uh, Mochizuki Jr. That seems to be the thing that they're doing is that each time everyone does a match with him, they post a photo of him as a baby. So you would think that maybe he's been thinking about what am I going to do to soccer Ichikawa most of his life? You know, that, 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 that is something that he was the one person in the world who's probably fixated on that. So he's probably had at least 15 years of playing on how he's going to beat up this geek. Here's my counter to this, and this is why I respect Masaki Mochizuki so much, not only as a man, not only as a wrestler, but as a father. Would you hand your baby to Stalker Ichikawa? He was like the first person on the roster to get married. So he was mature at a young And And how did that work out for him, Mike? I mean, his ex-wife had to bail him out of a lot of Aware Gate matches, case. So not well. Not no. well at all. <laughs> I'm just saying if I would like I think about me as a child and I was a very sheltered individual. I was afraid of a lot of things. I still am afraid of a lot of things. If I was under the age of 13 and I saw Stalker Ichikawa walk by me, I would be terrified that it, we're numb to it. OK, we know we not only know what this man looks like, we love what this man looks like. Can you imagine a child? seeing this man i would want no part of that so here's a thing that 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 i was that i don't directly refute your the 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 argument you're laying down here but i think you're making an assumption that masaki mochizuki kept mochizuki jr away from konamawa chikawa until the age of 13 and i with the photos i have a reasonable belief that 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 uh Mochi has t- took his son around everywhere. So I feel like he was inoculated with exposure therapy to soccer Chikawa over the period of his entire life. So I feel like that that probably helped it. Like he probably was like, oh yeah, that there's Ichikawa. He's a wimp, you know? But like he's probably seen this guy for so long here. So it wouldn't be such of a shock. I, I, I don't know. I trust Genki Horiguchi with my life. I trust Genki Horiguchi with the life of my future child. My future child, why don't you look at another direction when Starker Shikawa was walking by? I don't want you seeing that. The <laughs> <laughs> eyes over there. It's the, it's the Vince Vaughn earmuffs, but it's the uh, it's the visual version of that. Shield your eyes, kids. Look, look down to the floor. Check exactly. your shoelaces. How uh, about M3K? I adore this unit i love what they're doing i thought the double twister looked great that was a move that if you would have pitched it to me just verbally i would have been like no that's not that's not going to work that's not how bodies move but they pulled it off and it looked great yeah no it was something that like that was like the neat thing like now i want to see other ways that mochi's is going to make his son half perform his finishing moves and that's very exciting now knowing that they have a good looking double twister let's do a double sankaku gary to the head you know, like or the triangle kick, double triangle kick, kick. I think there's a lot of opportunities here. But the act has worked. It's something that the the fact that, I mean, other than final and Puke, that they've let M2K just only be a a nostalgia act for so long so that now that they're giving them this one big run as M3K and now you get like the second generation star there, 
there's a lot of shelf life on this, and it's something that I think really could only happen in Dragon Gate in a lot of ways. Like, what would happen in New Japan if they decided one night only to have a revival of the Blue Justice Army? Nothing. Nothing. So I feel like that this was... I feel like that everything about M3K to this point has been an unqualified success. Uh, Case, uh, when was the last time you saw Takashi Yoshida walk to the ring with a pineapple before the third? It, uh, to quote my band, my favorite band, Stained, it's been a while. Yeah, that was something I was like, oh, we're in for it here tonight. But yeah, M3K, just a success across the board, and they're continuing their march into uh, the uh, Kobe World Cannon Hall weekend, probably as... I would say the bookmaker's favorite as Triangle Gate champions. Uh, I, I guess the one question I would have about M3K for you, Case, is how do you like M3K in this kind of match that was like a low stakes so that they aren't going for double ring out committee stuff versus the matches we've seen with them before where they would do the full M2K experience? Look, I'm a big proponent of the double ring out committee. I love that they work these double countouts into an exciting, into an exciting finish. But there was no reason to do that against a unitless, meaningless opening team like this. So I, I, I'm a fan of the way they played this. Yeah, it was something that I was like, okay, that's cool. And that kind of lets you see a little bit more of, you know, Moji Jr. outside of having to do the M3K act. You know, so, so it's good to see. Uh, the second match we had was building up this Thursday's huge Apuestas match. I think I need to, we need to check with uh, Cubs or someone to see if this is the first time ever that a skateboard will be at stake in a Puesas match. But this was leaded. This is the buildup for this. This was D Courage, Yuki Yoshioka, and Dragon Daya versus Don Fuji and Ishinahashi. And it was Don Fuji with a flash ghetto press on Dragon Daya. And the, my one big note that I had before we started this match is Ishinahashi is having to basically uh, walk don fuji to the ring on skateboard i love the fact that don fuji has not improved whatsoever on the skateboard no i i i love the build of this i don't know this this is going to be the interesting thing to see i think if this is 2015 dragon gate and you're doing fuji versus dia like this i think we're guaranteed a great match but like i talked about last month when they did the cork and hall double header i mentioned that the June 2nd King of Gate finale show, that even more so than the Torimon reunion show, felt like a vintage Torimon Cork and Hall outing, which means that there's not really room for great matches because most of the matches are going to be under 10 minutes. They're going to be very story-driven. There's going to be an angle at the end of those matches. And although you would consider this Fuji versus Daya match to be the quote-unquote blow-off, I don't know if we're in for what will be a notebook style match. I don't know if it's going to be great. I do think, and this is ultimately the goal of wrestling is that it's going to be madly entertaining. I feel very bullish about the, the, the end entertainment result of Fuji versus Daya. I, I think the build of this has been super entertaining. I thought this match was okay. A lot of Ishinihashi stuff here that I enjoyed. He, he needs to do something sooner rather than later. I, he's, you know, a little lost out there. Obviously no Ricky, no Shoya Sato. We haven't heard from Rio Fuda and his two other contemporaries are in Mexico. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Ishin's the guy here and he's not winning. He's slowly improving. I think he, I think he's very good. He's not really doing anything new and he's surrounded by guys that are doing something new, whether it's retirement or Mexico or, you know, in the case of Mochizuki Jr. just being thrust into the main event spotlight, which he deserves. So it's tough to say, I kind of gave you two thoughts there. 
Isha needs to do something, and I'm very excited about Fuji versus Daya. Yeah, so taking Ishin first, I thought this was a great performance from him, and it's something that, especially like the chop battle towards the end, I was really, really like liking the uh, just how everyone was really kind of fit together well. Like I think that it's something that you you know there is the history with Koji Shinriki and Don Fuji. Of course, the Koji Shinriki like worked on shows that Don Fuji promoted and would bring the kids, and that's how in a lot of ways, in a soccer Ichikawa anniversary show that led to the Ahashi brothers being involved in with Dragon Gate. So I think that, and it's something with like Don Fuji, that it's such like a low stakes, lower card tag team. I think that might be the next step for him in the way. And, you know, you could do, you could play up the sumo history, which is something that the company will do. And uh, yeah, it, it's something that, I mean, he's, he's almost two months to his anniversary. You know, like, that's the wild thing about it is it feels like that it's been a lot longer, but it's something that's like you're coming up on a year. It's about ready. Like, I was ready for the next step before uh, Riki Hashi left. So the next step for Ishin, it needs to be sooner rather than later. And yeah, I'm with you with the Fuji and Daya build. It was it's all very, very good. It's going to be a it's going to be a character based match. I mean, you have a Dreamgate match happening later on on the show. This is not going to get 25 minutes. It's not going to have a whole lot of blood. It's probably going to have a lot of comedy spots with Don Fuji not being able to skateboard. So, and and Rio Saito is the referee for that match, right? Yeah, honest GM Rio Saito. So he's a good man. Yeah, I, I, you know, we'll bring back the poll next week because this we might need to do a, uh, we might need to call a no confidence vote if you know if he if he betrays us here, then he's not going to be an honest man. Case and I can't discount. I, of course, knew what his plan was all along with the Triangle Gate belts. I know he was sweating it out, but I knew they would find their way back into Dragon Gate eventually. So thumbs up for uh, GM Rio Saito. So after that, we had a singles match, Binkei versus Eita. Eita won with a low blow, Imperial Uno, and it was decent, but weird, Kate. Let, let's do an exercise. I, I, okay. I've, I've got some data here. Let's do some exercise with Eita and Binkei and 16 other wrestlers so i don't know if you know this mike but in dragon gate history 2004 through now there have been 18 unique open the dream gate champions we're gonna yep. go through one by one i'm gonna ask you a two-part question i'm gonna ask you if the peak of their career was their first open the dream gate run and if it wasn't did they peak before or did they peak after? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I'm ready to play All the right. game. We're going to go in order. Shima in the summer of 2004, was that his peak? And if it wasn't, did he peak before or after? Boy, this is an interesting one because I, I, I know people that would say that his peak was before this. And, you know, I see the rationale there. But I would say that this was not his peak. His peak would be uh, later. I agree. Masaki Mochizuki, end of 2004 through most of 2005. Was this his peak as a performer? I'm already going to turn this game on the head. Yes, because he's been at his peak ever since M2K4. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that answer. I don't know if I even agree with the logic you just used, but I will, I will move on. I, I, I would say uh, that is not Mochizuki's peak. His peak comes in 2011 no, during that, his next Dreamgate run. 
but but let's compare 2005 to 2011 Mochizuki. Is there really much different? I okay. I love that 2005 run. Obviously, there's the Rio Saito match in February, which is an all-time Dream Gate match. He's got the Taka match, which is very good, not great. He's got the Don Fuji match in Cork in May 2005, which is outstanding. But I think in 2011, like I don't consider. 2005 Masaki Mochizuki. I don't know if I if I think he's one of the 10 best wrestlers in the world. I don't even think he's the best Dragon Gate wrestler that year. 2011 Masaki Mochizuki is one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. Okay, that's fair. Because I would say that that Don Fuji match would stack up with his 2011 run. But the rest of that, I, th- I think that's a fair statement. I just wanted to, I just wanted to be a little bit of cheeky. I just wanted to be a little cheeky there, Case. All right, so after, after Masaki Mochizuki, of course, was... Magnitude Kishiwada was his peak as Open the Dreamgate champion. This is spring of 2006. So personally, as my voice reaches a new octave, personally, I think his peak was later. I think the Zetter and Triangle Gate team was the best use. I completely agree. I think he's better in 2005 in the build to his Dreamgate run, and I think he's better after with the time period you mentioned. So you sense a pattern here. No, right. no, no to start. Rio Saito in 2006. Was that his peak as a performer? Yes. In 2006, um, you think? Yes, that was his, that was the failed. He was protected with that and he was turning in the performances there. And if you want to talk about a concentrated peak, that was it. His tag work since then, excellent stuff there, but we're talking about like a concentrated peak. Like, like what's the last time he's really had and I know that there are some Cyrio fans. What was the last time that he had matches that compare to the rise that he was having towards that Dreamgate title? Uh, it would be almost 10 years ago, Yamato 2013. That's the last undoubtedly great Super Worker Rio Saito match. Yeah, so I think 2006 is his peak. Okay, I'm going to be a little nitpicky here. I'm going to say no. I think he tapers off towards the end of 2005 after, okay. you know, he's, okay. I, 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 I'm just, I, it's an no, exercise. I'm trying you, to prove you, point. You're right. Push you, my agenda. You're right. You're right here. Yeah. 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 His peak was like two months before he won the title. All right. So we'll, we'll call it a, a yes and no on Rio Saito. Susumu Yokosuka, 2006 singlet wearing Susumu Yokosuka. Was this his peak? No, his peak was later. Of course. I completely agree. Don Fuji in 2006. This might be his peak, even though he has flashes of brilliance because he actually had focus on him, you know? I think we historically underrated. And I think this is going to be one of my my new talking points. Buddy, look at my TWE 100 from last year. <laughs> who was the one, only person who over Don Fuji in the top 100 wrestlers of all time? I don't, I don't remember. Well, are you looking for a specific name I don't remember? No, it was me. He that's was right, that's right. That's yes. right. That's right. Um. I think we historically underrate how good. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras other great features we love about the eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a phillips screwdriver no drilling required Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with a 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, 
Yuffie's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys, reach in my pocket, or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That Mochi Fuji tag team was, and I think you would extend that work from like 2009 to the 2011 Dreamgate Challenge versus Yoshino. That is better than anything he was doing in 2006. I say no. And if you really want to kind of say like this, if you really want to like stretch it back to that Zetterans run with like Mochi Fuji and stuff like this, you're talking about 07. So like his peak was like right after it started raft. Yeah. Uh, this is an odd one, but he, he is a former Open the Dreamgate champion. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but Jushin Thunder Liger. Do you think, Mike, do you think the peak of Jushin Thunder Liger's career was his Open the Dreamgate championship run in 2007? One can argue, Case, because of CTU, <laughs> that yes, this was his peak. However, even I, I already was a stinker earlier. I'm not going to be a stinker right now. No, his peak was much earlier. Come on. Yes, that is a that is a very fair statement. So now we get into uh, again, we're talking about the first Dreamgate run. Shima beats Liger for the belt for a second run. But the next of the Dreamgate champion is Shingo in July of 2008 through December of 2008. Was that five month run the peak of Shingo's career? No, that's not the peak of his career. But one can argue that there's not much uh, delineation at that point. I, I think uh, by the time he holds the belt in 2015, he is a whole other animal, and that is the best work that he's ever done. What about Naruki Doi, 2008 to 2010? A much maligned Dreamgate run, but would you say this is the peak of his powers? Man, I I, I hesitate to say it was, even though... Uh, no, it was. It wasn't. No, it's his peak arguably is like right now. Like, yes. like right now, dating back to Doyama. Yes, I, I completely agree. I do not enjoy his run as Dreamgate champion. Uh, the Koji Kanemoto match was good. The Akibono match is one of the three worst Dreamgate matches of all time. Sounds like an Akibono match. What about Yamato's first run, March of 2010 through July of 2010? The best work of his career or no? Oh, man, because you know I'm a Battleship Yamato fan above, all, above Face Almighty, but Heal Almighty Yamato was his best run. So no, later. Yep, I, I agree with that. Let's keep going through the list. What about Masato Yoshino in 2010? Uh, it makes so much sense now to go, oh, Masato Yoshino, Dreamgate champion. Of course, of course he was. But his first run in 2010, a little bit unproven as a main eventer. He held the belt from July of 2010 through April of 2011. Was this the best work of Masato Yoshino's career? He had some strong matches, but 2014 was the better run. I completely agree. Speaking of 2014, that's where we jump on this timeline. An interesting question here. I spent a lot of time 
going back and forth because right now I look at all these names. We've talked about 11 different unique Dreamgate champions at this point. I have said no. Their first Dreamgate run was not their peak of their career for everyone at this point. What about Ricochet in 2014? Well, I think the next two ones are where we're going to because the next uh, most recent new champion. I feel like we can talk about them both in concert if my order is right, Case. I think you're forget. I think you're forgetting one. The, 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 I, I'm now going through my head because it goes Ricochet to Yamato, Yamato to Yoshino, Yoshino, y- Yamato, Yamato to BB Hulk, Yamato to BB Hulk. Oh yeah, no, no. So the next one would be these two. So yeah, it would be BB Hulk. So the, the the two most ones we're talking about Ricochet and BB Hulk, and I think the two of them have very similar arguments to say that yes this was their peak okay we'll go through these uh i'll i'll say yes to ricochet i think 2014 was the peak of his career it's hard to explain yeah to somebody that wasn't around in 2014 what the first eight months of his 2014 looked like where he was the uh, he was the biggest star kayfabe wise like we should say in kayfabe and the way that multiple promotions not just dragon gate but pwg lucha underground was kicking up then and best of the super juniors four different promotions i mean look he won a super juniors as a non-contracted new japan guy he won a super juniors with the dragon gate nameplate next to him and that's absurd yeah and then he followed up by winning bola Uh, other than like there's the era of Punk and Danielson in Nigel, I'll say. And then there's like Steen, Generico, and the Young Bucks. There's those tiers of indie wrestlers. And then there's 2014 Ricochet, where it's just this guy was such a big deal and came across like such a bigger star than everybody else. And like you said, Dreamgate winner, Battle, uh, Best of the Super Juniors winner, Bola winner. The entire company of Lucha Underground was built around him, and for the first season, that mattered. It, this was I, I. I went back and forth of if this was more impressive than his 2016. I side with 2014 Ricochet. No, no, it, it, and oh yeah, concurrent open the Freedom Gate and open the Dream Gate champion, and oh yeah, by the way, first ever foreigner to win open the Dream. Gate. As for BB Hulk, I think he peaked earlier. I think his 2009-2010 stuff, basically uh, World 1 formation through the hair match with Shingo, I think is better than what he did as Dreamgate champion, even though I like his Dreamgate championship run. I just have a soft spot for that 2014 run they had. Until his body, until him and Shingo decided they don't like each other's bodies anymore, I thought like that this was like something that's like, oh, as someone who was a BB Hulk fan in 2007, I was like, this is kind of the run I was hoping for for him. I mean, he had these incredible generational matches, and yeah, like, the run with when he first went heel was tremendous, but a lot of that, like, even though he was a featured guy, was in support of either Shima or Akira Tozawa, though. Like, this was him by himself, and I feel like that's why it was his peak. Okay, so this is a long exercise, but I want to—I I did this for a reason, and we're getting into this group of guys now that are in the primes of their careers. We start with Pac. Do you think his Dreamgate run is the best work of his career? Unequivocally. Yes, I, co- I completely agree, but I also think there's time for him to top that. Would you also, agree with that? Uh, if, 
in a scenario, I would say, in a scenario where everything was lined up to be completely complimentary to him, he could be one of the biggest stars in the world. But the thing is that it's just like that's not the reality we live in, sadly. So so I don't think he's going to be given the baton as much, even though I liked my early birthday present of him becoming the All-Atlantic champion case. I like that a lot, but I just don't think it's going to compare to 2019. Ben K from July of 2019 through December of 2019. This is why we're talking about this. Yeah. Was yeah. that the peak of his career? To this point, and I feel like that's the thing we have to do with the guys as as we continue on this. To this point, I think he was peaking higher with the Big Ben tag team on it. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. I did well, not expect you to say that. I well, I would have to go and get my notebooks out for 2018, 2019 case, but if I were to go back and look at the Twin Gate matches around Big Ben and compare them other than, let me see, you had, Christ, he had like four great Dream Gate defenses. That's, That's the thing. thing. So it was, ben yeah. versus, it was Ben versus Yamato, which was cold in build, but great in execution. It was Ben versus Mochi, which similar theme, cold in build, great in execution. It was Ben versus Yoshino, which at the time felt like it could go either way. And then it was Doi and Ben where we felt like there was a 99.9% chance that Ben would win and then Doi upset him. And that's coming off of the great Pac match. Yes. Maybe I'm trying to cheat the rules again here, Case, but I'm doing this with good faith. Maybe I would say like it was during his peak that started before. Fine. I'll, 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 (laughs) Give me a yes or no for Ben K. No. Yes, yes yes i know they, uh, uh, yes i i agree we're gonna we're gonna go with the yes we're almost done here stick with us Ata was his brief uh dreamgate run the best run of his career uh yeah i i yeah I, you I, think so i mean rewatching watching tag teams are great but uh, but when you compare like singles work to tag work to be honest especially in the way it was like Ata was able to kind of transform the company it felt like like during COVID in a certain way or RED coming into this when PAC wasn't around, it wasn't necessarily feeling as vibrant, but then coming out of Lapis Hall and, and especially with like Memorial Gate, it felt like RED was ascendant at that. Do you think the work that he did in 2020 is better than the run of May, 2016 with the Tozawa match through the Brave Gate win uh, uh, over Maria at world 2016, that two month period where it's him and Tozawa, him and Susumu, him and Tozawa again, him and Liger, and then him and Maria. No, I'm still going with the Dream Gate run. Interesting. Yeah. Because right. longer, you have the Doi title win, which was excellent, which was no like the first normal circumstances we're talking about the fear with that match, right? Yeah. And then you have just the entire angle leading up to Shun Skywalker winning, and then the and then the whole three way generation war happening in the middle of that. And like RED, like the the remainder of RED there, like like he's still at his peak, I would argue. That's a very interesting take. I'll put a pin in that. We're going to circle back to it real quick on these last two. Shun Skywalker, know his Dreamgate run wasn't this peak. He's doing the best work of his career now, and I think he's only going to go up. And Kai, holy shit, I can't imagine it gets better than this. Do you have, <laughs> it, it, do you have any disagreements on Skywalker or Kai? No, 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 no. And Skywalker's the one person I'd say we can't say that yet because he's way too young. But, but, but to this point, yes, he's doing his current best work of his career, right? So 
I put all this together. Sorry, it's a very long exercise. Hopefully, people cared. Really to say, let's look at this. The only people that have peaked during their Dreamgate runs are the Foreigners, Ricochet and Pac, maybe BB Hulk, and Ben K, and to some degree, Ata. I look at this and I look at this list and I say, okay, let's, let's say you think BB Hulk's peak was 2014, which you do. We both agree that Hulk is that he's not going to improve on that. He's on the decline and that's how it's going to go with Ata and Ben K. I think for one of them, it's reasonable to think that they, whether you think their peak is earlier or that Dreamgate run that they can surpass that. And I think that with Ata, but we are now entering a point where Ben with Ben K, he is the first Dreamgate champion I've ever seen where after he loses his belt, I don't know what's next for him. He peaked early and he peaked hard. And we are now almost, well, we're, we're two and we're two years after his Dreamgate win. And we're approaching, you know, the anniversary of him losing that belt in December. It'll be three years there. What he has not taken that next step. What, what is wrong with Ben K? This is, one of the this is like I'll give you a baseball reference that will alienate almost all of our audience. But Chris Coglin won NL Rookie of the Year in 2009 for the Florida Marlins, and quite frankly, who the fuck is Chris Coglin? Nobody knows <laughs> I know that who name he is. exactly. I, I knew you would. Yeah, he, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if JoJo Remy listens to this podcast, but I'm sure JoJo will appreciate that as well. JoJo and I are the two people who know Chris Coglin. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Chris Coglin was this guy who had. This amazing rookie year. He looked like a future superstar. He looked like someone who could be a, a perennial. Like he was not fast. He wasn't like super fast, but he was smart on the base pass. You were like, oh, this guy could be 2020, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases for the next 10 years. You, you would have thought of this guy as a guy that's going to be in your life for a long time. And I think we thought about this a bit, uh, about Ben K. And look, I stand by everything we wrote and everything we said about him in the build to his dream game match. Because not only was it great work by us, I'll pat ourselves on the back for that, even though I hate most things I do. Ben K was that guy up through winning the belt and up through losing it to Naruki Doi. But we are on this long, dreaded path of going what next and you can always heat him up he can always be a dreamgate challenger but that's not interesting and this is a company where i i the co- the baseline is so good i care about whether you're interesting or not i can watch good wrestling up and down this card i can watch good wrestling on every continent on earth i care about whether you're interesting or not and right now ben k is not interesting i thought this match against ata was bizarre it was flat it was dead this used to be a protected match this is like two years ago, this would have headlined Gate of Destiny. And it was just this weird third match on a Kobe Sambo Hall show. It didn't feel hot. It didn't feel intense. It was staring us in the face. What is wrong with Ben K? Sound the alarms. I'm not worried about Ata. I think I, I think Ata, as a babyface main eventer, can do the best work of his career. It's just a matter of when they want to flip the switch on that. I don't know what they do with Ben K now. Yeah, and, and the thing that makes it even more bizarre about this match, insanely flat match, except for two moments. When Overdrive the Mirage hit, it was the loudest I've heard a clap crowd clap for a theme. Like, the crowd was insane for Ata coming out here. Ata is sickingly over to a, a dis- disgusting degree, which, speaking of disgusting, 
the, the the time that the crowd like started screaming like there were audible screams when it looked like they were doing the tease of Ata usually turns it into the flapjack from the top rope and said Benkei made a tease he was trying to suplex him over the turnbuckle to the floor 10 feet up that was the two times during this match there was any sort of crowd response whatsoever I I just I can't believe it you know I saw this card before I watched the show, and I thought, oh my god, Ata and Ben in the third match? I, I, at first, I thought, well, there's going to be a big angle. There's no way we get a finish. And we got a finish, even if it was a murky one. I just did. I, there's no way I anticipated a boring 12-minute match, which is what we got. That's just not... That's not what these guys are supposed to do. And we just started this podcast raving about how good Peros has been as an act, so I, it's hard for me to put the blame on Ata. I put the blame on the guy who for two years now has been, for lack of a better term, a weirdo. And it's something that I know that people who, you know, you know if you're not like day in, day out with Dragon Gate, you look at Binke and you're like, why, how is he not like the champion? Why, how is he not the guy? Well, they tried with him. They tried with him, but Dragon Gate is a company that requires certain abilities that Binke fell flat in doing like that's why i won't apologize whatsoever about about our coverage back then because we weren't exposed to the fact that ben k is might possibly be one of the worst talkers in the company's history and the fact that 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 case do you remember when like we had i i, I forgot if this was something that was talked about on air or not ben k would like do columns as champion and people would be confused about like how does he write this way it's just something that just does not work in this field here. Like you put them in New Japan or somewhere else where you don't have the uh, different challenges that you would have in Dragon Gate. And yeah, the people who parachute in, you'd be absolutely justified in saying that about Benkei. But it just doesn't work here. And I think he's going to be adrift until, you know, something changes. Maybe some sort of character change. Or this is just kind of where he's at. Because he's not, because he turns 31 this year. He's someone with, I, I it's out there, many uh diagnosed concussions with dragon gate like like as a rookie he was taking time off because of concussions like i just think this is what Binke is at this point because how can you do much more with it with it you can get away with his flaws once at the top of the card and we saw that we saw that Dreamgate run which was phenomenal you were taken aback when you look at that match listing you can't do it again and i find it very funny in a in a morbid way given the real-life relationship between Benkei and Kaisuke Okuda, that they are both suffering from the same issue, and that is that they cannot figure out what their next chapter is. And for Ben, the reason I went through all of those 18 champions is that we are entering rarefied air where we might have seen a, a Dreamgate champion peak with his first reign, and that has never happened before. Again, with maybe the exception of Ricochet and Pac and BB Hulk, guys who had a decade plus career under their belt before they won the title. Ben is the first guy we've seen that was handed the ball, ran with it. And once he lost it, he might not ever be able to get it back again. And in the history of Dragon I think that's very interesting. Yeah. It's something that he, he's just such like a unique guy. When you compare everyone else, like it, it, if you think about the company, like in eras, like there's like not anyone else that, that like he's such an outlier. He was so much older. He is such a different profile. And it's just part of that profile is the guy is an awful promo. And we, we might have witnessed that because I don't think they'll they'll take that risk with them anytime soon. Uh, the last match pre-intermission 
was an eight-man tag. We had the Kobe Kung Fu Masters, Jackie Funky Kamei, Jason Lee, Ho Ho Loon, and Super Shenlong III versus the Z-Brats team of BB, Hulk, Hyo, and they opened the Twin Gate Champions, Shun Skywalker and Diamante. Jackie Funky Kamei got a enormous win, arguably one of the biggest of his career, pinning Shun Skywalker after the Project Day, and I went back and watched this move like three times with it. It is really sick. The best way to describe it is a top rope Casadora bomb. And it was really, inc- really great stuff. I had this as my match of the night case. And after that, we had the uh, we had the challenge where JFK and Jason Lee will challenge for the Twin Gate at Ultimo's 35th anniversary show against the Z Bratz champion team. Match of the year contender alert. Not this match, but that Twin Gate match at the Ultimo anniversary show. We just went through a really long exercise. I'm not on this week. This week, I'm not going to make you go through every Twin Gate match in Kobe World history, but just know at some point we are doing that because I think, first of all, I think people are going to be amazed at how consistently great that style of match is. And then two, this could be the best one ever. It has that potential. I don't want to put that weight on it. That's not fair to those guys. But realistically, it has that potential. I mean... One of my notes I had down in this match was JFK might be the best person in the company taking a Z-Brats beat down. So you're going to have that in play here. And think about Jason Lee's career of hot tags. That is a combination that you want. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, last month, the debut of the Kung Fu Masters was was really kind of like taking it back going like, oh, this is what we're doing here now? And it, and it just didn't necessarily, in my opinion, didn't feel like a fully cooked act. So much life here. The crowd was along with it here. It, it's something where I guess the question is, Case, they will technically be in Kobe for this title challenge. Will this be them as members of Natural Vibes or as Kung Fu Masters? I believe, and I could be wrong. I guess this is really the only place that this would come up is this specific event. I, I believe the Kung Fu Masters are exclusive to Kobe Sambo Hall. I think this will be a Natural Vibes challenge. That, that was... I believe the agreement that was made between them and KZ on him basically lending the rights to JFK and Jason Lee for this unit. I mean, uh, you're really missing out. You're really pitching and holding the Kung Fu Masters as a small room act, you know? (laughs) Uh, Look, this is also my match tonight. I went three and three quarters on it. Just missed the spreadsheet. There's a lot to like. It's exactly what you would hope for when you see these eight guys on paper. There was one spot that I have to mention, which is Jason Lee going for that tornado DDT that he always hits on Diamante and Diamante caught him in mid spin, threw him up into the air. And then Shun Skywalker punted Jason Lee in midair in the chest. And that was crazy. And if that is the table setter for what is to come, we are going to be in for a truly special uh, twin gate match at uh, Ultimo's anniversary show. Case, you've been getting better at gifting, I would say. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about one of the matches you had gifts on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about this here. W- what we really needed was the GTA wasted graphic, right? Whereas when Shun connected, it, it was, it was. I, I had to rewind it. It was such a gnarly looking spot, but that is just what I have come to expect from Shun and Diamante together. That's the kind of beating that I expect Jason Lee to take. I love this match. Go watch it. It's the one thing on the show that I think is is essential viewing. And then we got back from intermission, and we had a 
Preview match for the Open the Dream Gate title match on Thursday. It was Suji Kondo, the Dream Key holder, the number one contender, teaming with Doka Kakuta against the Open the Dream Gate champion Kai with SB Kento. It was an authorized Ganosuke clutch on Madoka Kakuta in less than seven minutes. First of all, awesome finish. Kakuta goes for the hand of God Lariat. Kai goes right into the Ganosuke clutch, pans him. That looked super clean. Second, normally during Cork and Hall weeks, we just wait until the Cork and show to record. Uh, we rarely get to preview them anymore, but we missed last week. I wanted to record before we get to Cork and Hall this week. Your prediction, Mike, open the Dreamgate Championship two days from now, Kai versus Shuji Kondo, who is leaving Tokyo with the belt? At this point, it has to be Kai. I'm with you. I th- I'm with you. I would love the Kondo run. I think it would be fun. It would be fun even if it wasn't logical. But we've entered a point where I'm really emotionally invested in this Kai run, and I think it has to continue. And it's something that for like Kondo, him coming in and like immediately like being a three week champion and losing it probably like I don't know what you get out of Kondo unless you think that Kondo is going to be a long term champion, which I don't think the booking has ever been there for. So I just can't wrap my head around Kondo winning this. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. I think there's a reason he beat Kai in King of Gate. I think there's a reason he beat Kai the way that he did. Kai's going to get his revenge. He's going to look strong going into the biggest show of the year. As he should, and I'm I'm all for that. I think that's that's logical. I think that's smart, and it you know it gets Kai holding the Dreamgate belt longer, which at this point is kind of what I want. <laughs> and y- y- you know, it's something that this company has shown to do in the COVID era that they've been running more in Corkin than they're willing to do matches like this. There's a reason why they, if you track back to March of 2020, they've had the highest average attendance there. So it makes sense. And, and where can people find out more information about? average attendance in the COVID era, Mike? Well, the great thing is that there's this project I'm doing at Spears Ovations at spearsovations.ghost.io case. I tried to buy spears.zone and they would not let me. This devastating. That was going to be a Absolutely devastating. Myself. Yeah, I, I've been analyzing that and I'm going to have a second edition of it coming out soon talking about what happens if you wait the amount of shows running Cork in and then doing it as percentage of the attendance as percentage of the restrictions as well. So Spears Ovations io. Anyways, Case, I did not like this match at all. I thought this match was bad. I thought that Madoka Kakuda looked as lost as he's looked before. And just the crowd was absolutely dead for this match. It just felt like, okay, we got there. The, fish, the finish, as you mentioned, was a lot of fun. But I just, I was not feeling this match at all. Interesting. I did not really have an issue with it. Uh, but that is... I yeah. What, what do you think? Do you think it's an issue with Kakuta, or do you think it's an issue with Kai and Kondo in terms of the crowd not being into it? I think we had that, and there was like the bizarre like KOTs on SPK that they did for like two minutes in this match, in like a seven minute match. So like it, it, it's something that like this Kondo title shot does feel a little bit of a sudden thing, even though he got the win in Kingate, and historically that lets you get a Dreamgate shot. It's just. You have that, you have Kakuda teaming. It just, it was something where it just was not working. And the match they put on, I don't think was like the match that really was needed here. Like doing the Ganosuke, the, the Ganosuke clutch on Kondo would have been something been like, oh, reminded people that this is how he's been winning matches. And now that Kondo is faced it, can he get out of it? But you do it to Kakuda and it's just like, oh, yep, there, there's his flashpin again. 
What about the main event? What do we think of the finale to this Kobe Sambo Hall show? Yeah, so this was a three-way trios match. This was a single fall trios match, not the uh, historical uh, multiple elimination ones. It was Natural Vibes, KZ, UT, and Big Boss Shimizu versus High Ends, Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Binke versus the the gold-class team of Kota Minora, Nuruki Doi, and Minorita. I really enjoyed it, Case. I thought this was a lot of fun. The finish was the gong by Minora on UT. And we got two different Minorita chases in the same match. I mean, there's very hard. it's very hard for me to dislike a match that they decide to play off that trope the entire time. Yeah, I think normally when we see this style of match, we expect it to be some sort of epic. And in no way, that's what I was hoping for. I was kind of hoping this would have the tone of a big cork and hall main event and not necessarily a Sambo Hall main event, but they played it towards the home fans. They played the fun version of this match, the version for people uh, more so in the know, I think is their fair way to put this, which makes sense. Kobe is their home base. That's exactly what they were doing. I still thought it was very good. I, I gave this three and three quarters as well because of the really hot finishing stretch, but I could see this being a disappointment uh, if you were expecting something great. Yeah, I had both this and the eight-man tag at four flat. I just, it, it, they were playing to me in these matches. <laughs> like, as you say, they're doing it for the hometown crowd. Yes, no, I was clapping along when Minorita was getting chased by Big Bosch Shimizu, and I had a note. I was like, what if Shimizu, recognizing the reality of the situation, just decided to stop and Minorita just ran around into perpetuity? It just became a 3v3v2 match. Uh, like, you don't expect these things to happen, Case, but they put it in front of me. <laughs> I adore the Minorita Yamato chemistry so much. I, you know, we're at a point in Yamato's career where I think he's looking, y Yamato himself is just looking to be entertained. And I certainly have an uphill battle with being entertained by Yamato at points, but the Yamato Minorita stuff connects with me every single time. So I was happy that we got some extended play between those two here as well. Yeah, it just was a good vibes match, and I had it had the right amount of fun there for me as well with that. Uh, that that did it for the Kobe Sambo Hall show. It was a good time, you know. I mean, the the big thing really is this week. We we've already touched on both the matches we know ahead of time. The Cork uh, Hall on the seventh, it has the open the Dreamgate title match. Kai defending against Shuji Kondo in the Apuestas skateboard versus hair match. Don Fuji puts the skateboard up against. Dragon Dia. Case, do you have any other things you want to preview on this Kobe? Oh, I'm sorry, on this upcoming Corken Hall before we move on to excursion stuff? I'm looking forward to it. I think both of the matches that we have are going to be a lot of fun. So uh, next week should be very interesting. We might have a new Dreamgate champion. We might. We, we might. I, I might win Powerball, Case. I mean, <laughs> a lot of things might happen. <laughs> All right, fair point. Hey, Yuki Oshioka is still carrying around that trophy that the Lek Corporation brought. Like, you don't have that guy laying or, or standing in the rafters waiting for this like that blatantly unless he might be the one getting the bigger match. Yeah, well, I, I think I think Yushioki, Yuki Oshioka is going to have a very good July. I don't think you have to worry about him. Just give it, give it two or three more weeks and I think he'll be doing all right. Yeah, and... Speaking of people who had really good July so far, let's talk about Excursion Case. We, we are starting to get the first matches of Takuma Fujiwara and La Estrella's Excursion. We had really two big matches that we wanted to talk about. One of them kind of got on the... Uh, it, it, it made some buzz from Big Lucha Bandito's promotion. Then we also have another tag match here. So 
Fujiwara and Estrella, now that they've kind of been situated in Mexico, what, what are your big takeaways from these matches? That Takuma Fujiwara is really, really good. And we've known that and we've said that for a long time. But watching him, watching him work with wrestlers that are quite frankly beneath him, as we've seen, I don't think I, I don't think you've seen the specific match uh, that I'm referencing, which is Fujiwara and uh, Fujiwara Estrella and Black Shadow Two against Cyberpunk Rocky Santana and Vingaza. Did you see this match? No, I haven't. Yeah, don't watch it. It is an absolute train wreck, and it is not the fault of Takumi <laughs> Fujiwara. I mean, it is it is every bad Lucha match you've ever seen, but worse somehow. And you just have these weird bright spots of Estrella doing a dive and then Fujiwara being Fujiwara, a 20-year-old who's trying to corral everybody, get them in the right spot, have them do the right thing. He's just He's just better than the competition that he's working against. And I think you see it... Uh, in the singles match against Junta Milwaukee, where you know Junta's a nice kid, a, a nice little prospect. If I were Noah, I'd be psyched that he's in the pipeline. But I watched the singles match of him and Fujiwara against one another, and I just thought, oh my god, Fujiwara is just you know, on a different planet. He's just so much better than this Noah kid, and I like the Noah kid. There's nothing wrong with him. I think he's going to learn a lot. Quite frankly, being in Mexico with Australian Fujiwara, I think that's going to be very advantageous towards his career. But to answer your question, what I've learned from watching these guys in Mexico, Estrella can do a lot of fun dives, which is what we knew. I haven't learned that, but I am learning just how good Takuma Fujiwara is at this point in his career. You see, I, I think, like, this is kind of like what we were talking about. Like, this is like a situation that Estrella, like, Takuma Fujiwara has been as excellent as I expected. Like, I really have enjoyed all the stuff that he has done. But with, like, La Estrella, I think getting him into a place where, like, the perfectionist quality isn't as necessary, isn't as evident for lack of better words, like, like it's not just like, oh, this is the company where Masato Yoshino says, don't fuck up. I never fuck up. This, this is not where he's at right now. And I think like that pressure off him. I mean, the, the, the fact that he could just walk around in a t-shirt, I think like has helped his confidence too. Like I don't, I have not yet seen a La Estrella match in Mexico where he's not wearing the sleeves cut off of a Dragon Gate logo. Yeah, Estrella is a much better luchador than he is a Drangate wrestler, and that's not a dig on Estrella. That's just like like you said, Estrella Estrella worked one match in Mexico, and then was like, you know what? I'm going with the T-shirt, sleeves cut off, super crazy style, and that's good for him. You know, to to reference the big lucha match, which is the one that if you if you're gonna watch anything from these guys in Mexico so far, that is the one to watch because I thought that was a legitimately good match, but. Estrella's great when he's able to pick his spots. He's doing Estrella Drangate things in Mexico. He picks his spots. Some matches he's going to look great. Some matches he's going to get exposed. I expect his time in Mexico to be the same thing. I just think that not having everyone, you know, around, I think is just like a little bit of a confidence boost for him. Uh, the the one thing I was gonna say about Miyawaki, like this, there was this match. I I don't know which promotion it was, but it was Fujiwara teaming with Miyawaki against La Estrella and Ray Quetzal, who like the first time that really they split up. Uh, 
Fujiwara and uh, Estrella. And it's something that, that like Fujiwara was just playing it up for a crowd that very much was going to cheer for their hometown luchador and and uh, Ray Quetzal. And he was totally game to play Rudo and did a great job playing Rudo. And and Miyawaki was doing good stuff, but it was just was like, oh, not a lot of character stuff coming out here. Not really acting like a heel. He's just going out there and grabbing a hold. And that was kind of the, the, the thing with this. But this big Lucha show, I, I have to say, one more reason why I think La Estrella works better here. He was able to do the Davey Richards special case. He went into the fourth row of of Bandito's gym, and that was something that was very much needed out of him at this point. Yeah, this is a show I was watching live because, I, look, I'm into the big Lucha. This is a promotion since their debut show. I, look, I'm certainly not sitting through every undercard. I'm not as plugged into it as I am even like a New Japan, but a, a, a hyped big Lucha match comes around. I'm going to watch it. I think Bandito, uh, by all accounts that that I'm aware of, has done a, a lovely job with this promotion. He drew a big house for this show, and I knew Estrella was in the building because he posted on Instagram, but I wasn't sure if they were going to wrestle or not, and they come out, and by the end of this match, both Fujiwara and Estrella seem like guys that the crowd would be more than happy to have back. Estrella does the big Davy Richards dive. Fujiwara does his big cape run into the floor. Uh, this was the exact sort of showcase that you would hope these guys have here. And I haven't seen the Estrella MLW match yet, but I hope it went half as well as this did in terms of debuting for a new promotion. Yeah, the, the presentation by uh, Big Lucha was really, really solid. It was something that... Maybe it is something that Bandito's put the thigh in care. Maybe it was Moss Lucha using their cameras or whatever. But it, it really did come across as like a big show with that. And, you, you know, the commentary team was like bringing up Shun Skywalker and Yuki Yoshioka being like, oh, yeah, they, they've been over here. And it was something that I kind of like put two and two together. I was like, we weren't really able to see a ton of Shun and Yuki Yoshioka in Mexico because of the overall issues in mexico covid who was running who wasn't running and that here and it kind of like struck me in the middle of this when they brought it up case that we're going to probably get to see nearly everything that these two guys did on excursions thing that's never happened before in the history of the dragon yeah I i'm really excited about that i'm really excited about seeing what fujiwara can do because you know you referenced that tag were a team with Milwaukee earlier and Fujiwara was working as a heel for the first time in his career. And I thought it was super compelling. It's not the honed act that he is as the underdog babyface, but I wouldn't expect it to be either. And then you see him here on the big Lucha show and he's just doing his big dives. He's running all around. He's a fun baby face. Like we know we're going to see these guys grow and develop in real time in a situation that is unfamiliar to them. And I think that's really, really exciting. Yeah, no, it, it's really cool. And it'll be fun to see, like, uh, it's worth mentioning as well, uh, Dragon Gate has been announced as participating in West Coast Pro and I think it's Revolution Pro Wrestling's uh, King of the Indies tournament later this fall. Uh, really cool to see, Case. Uh, not a huge surprise I, for me. Like, if there were going to be a promotion, especially in the West Coast, they were going to go to those uh I, I, hopes are high at least for for us like if it ends up that Takuma Fujiwara is able to be there I think that that could be a big weekend for both him and La Estrella and whoever else might be on excursion at that time I looked at flights uh for that weekend to San Francisco I did not love the prices that I saw but we'll see we'll see that's that's a weekend I'd like to be involved with in any way shape or form so uh TBD on on that 
Yeah, uh, if it's bad for you, Case, can you imagine what it's going to be like for me? Like, oh gosh. Yeah, that's fair. As soon as I saw this announcement, I I ran to Southwest to see what cheap ticket I could grab, and no such cheap ticket existed. Uh, it it was uh, it's a little rough out there, but. <laughs> Congratulations to West Coast Pro and uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution for landing these guys. I look, I've, I'm, I'm on record. I've put over West Coast Pro a ton. I think right now they are unequivocally the best indie in all of America. And other than my local promotions, which fingers crossed something happens there, they've got a few different options. I would love for them to just land one of them. West Coast Pro is the ideal indie for Dragon Gate to work with, so more power to them. We'll obviously talk a lot more about King of the Indies which we have once we have more info, but I'm happy for everybody involved there. Absolutely, and they're not on our list of promoters that we will later say you could have had these guys and you didn't take that opportunity. These guys are operating. They, 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 they are, they're willing to take the shot, and I think that it, even if it's just Estrella, I think it's going to be a the exact... Uh, as you were saying, like the, the right place for Dragon Gate in 2022. So I'll be stoked to do it. And as you said, we'll cover it more as we get closer. But case, I think that's going to do it for this week. Did you have anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? I've got one brief aside about this big Lucha show. I have a match to pimp out and an apology to give. If you have not seen the five way with ASF, Jack Cartwheel, Commander, Cometa Maya, and Noisy Boy on this big Lucha show, go watch it it is i look i i understand if you're burnout on scrambles i understand if the uh if there's not a ton of appeal in a random five-way luchador match go watch this match it is so good and i owe an apology to jack cartwheel i never dug my heels in i never said a you know anything horrible about this man but he was starting to get pimped a little bit last year in a way where i was like i don't I don't know if he deserves this. I don't know if he's quite as good as some of these people are saying he is, but between the work he's done in Gleet, the work he's done here and the work I've seen him do a little bit in the U S more power to him. I'm happy uh, that Jack Cartwheel is doing as well as he is. Cause he was very, very fun in this match. Yeah. He seems like a guy who's really kind of taken advantage of the reality and the hand that's dealt with him. I mean, getting to work Japan and then, and then getting on like these indie shows. And then I know he's with PWG and GCW, it's become a big thing with them. So, you know, I mean, it's rough. I, in my opinion out there in the indies right now, but he's definitely the person I think he's making the best. I completely agree. So he, he's a guy that I am now wholeheartedly supporting. I think he's a very talented wrestler. I like what he's done with himself. So more power to Jack Cartwheel. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, You could follow the, the show on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next time talking about this big July Corkin as we are on the march to Kobe World Cannon Hall weekend, Ultimo Dragons 35th anniversary, and the 2022 Pro Wrestling Festival in Kobe World Cannon Hall. They're only four weeks away, Case. They're only four weeks away. But that's going to do it. We'll be back with you next time. Take care.